0: God's good to us all the time, so let's be good to Him this morning in our praise and worship, honor and glory to the King of all kings. We greet you this morning in the name of Jesus, which is the name of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. One more time, could we lift our voice into the Lord? Could we lift our hands, lift our hearts? Whatever you need to do to acknowledge Him as your sovereign Lord. We love you today. Is he worthy of your praise? Come on, think about who you belong to this morning. His presence in your life, what a difference he's made. Father, we love you today. We're thankful. Grace is made available. Mercy renewed every morning. We thank you, Lord God, for the day you've made. Lift our praise and worship unto the King today. We honor you, asking your blessings, anointing in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so greatly for being a part of Spirit and Truth Worship Center's praise and worship and uh, ministry on Sunday morning. We are very, very thankful and honored that uh, you've been a part of this family and come in. Uh, this morning, I want to change uh, our, our, our service up just a little bit on, on how we're ministering or what we're ministering on Sunday mornings. we I've been in a discipleship class for quite some time and I feel the Lord's laid something different on my heart to this morning than, than just the where we've been in the series and and God's God's good all the time right knows what ne- what we need every day uh, Young people, you all ready for class y'all are dismissed in Jesus name God bless you. In our prison ministry on Tuesday nights it's mandatory for them to be back in their, I don't know what they call the barracks or what what they call the living quarters where they live but it's mandatory for them to be back out of chapel and back in that that area to be counted uh, by 8 o'clock. So we normally try to finish up around 7.30 to give them opportunity to, they need to brush their teeth or do anything or whatever they need to take care of before they're, they have to be back. We try to give them an ample amount of time. And our praise team leader got with me uh, last Tuesday and he said, uh, he said, now you don't have to, to rush. He said, uh, we normally start around 6.30 and at the time everybody gets counted and they allow us up to the chapel and all of that. He said, now, you don't have to rush. He said, we don't have to be back till around 8. Uh, he said, so just uh, you just teach, preach. Uh, and, and I said, He said, I think all the men will be okay with it. I said, okay. So uh, Tuesday night, I preached for about an hour. And uh, soon as soon as service over, he said, now, you don't have to do that. <laughs> don't feel like you have to do that, I said, All right, all right. I see where we're coming from here. I I get it. (coughs) So this morning, uh, I'm not planning to preach for an hour. Uh, I don't feel like I have to. I actually told, we had an evangelist come through, and uh, why I said it, I don't know. Sometimes your your mouth just acts faster than your mind. I I meant absolutely nothing whatsoever, negative about it. Insinuated n- anything at all in a negative. But it, we were talking general conversation. I said, "Now we don't pay by the hour." He said, "I said when you when you get finished, you're finished." Uh, and he said, "Okay." <laughs> that wa- that wasn't so smart to say <laughs> that what i meant don't don't feel any pressure if you preach for 30 minutes or if you preach for an hour don't feel any pressure we're, we don't pay by the hour so just just we're, we're going to give you a good offering uh just don't don't feel like it's you're and that's what i really meant but how he took it i don't know uh, so anyway I, I hope everybody's awake and alert this morning and uh, you are able to sleep good last night and and, and able to be focused this morning so we're going to pray that prayer, anyways, that we're all focused this morning and we are able to receive the word. I was going over our our material that we use in our discipleship class for Sunday morning, and when I when I was reading it and studying, I didn't feel the unction of the Holy Ghost that it was the right time this morning for that particular message. And we'll try to go back with it. I believe it's it, we've been studying prayer for the last three weeks, and uh, obviously, s- prayer is always in season. Uh, a lesson and, and ministering on prayer is always a good time. But last night I had, I had two different dreams, and they tied together. And in, in my two dreams, I had one, one person that was, uh, both of them are very close friends of mine. And one of them was not where they need to be this morning. That individual's not where they need to be. In fact, they would, they would listen. I would help them get where they need to be. But uh, in my dream, this particular individual wanted to get closer. They came to me and said, well, I want to do this. I want to have this taken care of. And, and I, I'm wanting to move toward, toward my relationship with God. And in the other one, uh, the individual was what everybody would say is in the will of God today. But they were wanting to go in another direction that would lead them out of the will of God. And I felt some dreams we have and they just pass by and they just go on and we don't think anything about them. And some of them have kind of a lingering effect when you wake up the morning. And uh, how many times have I had a dream and opened my eyes and see my dresser right there in front of me and think so thankful I'm in bed. I am so thankful this wasn't true and I wasn't living this out. i Just thankful to open your eyes and realize you're in bed. But some things have a lingering effect. Some of them you dismiss and you go on. But early this morning, I was trying to find the perfect will of God for this service this morning. And and hopefully by the good grace, God's going to talk to all of us. But if you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14. We're going to get into the word this morning and see exactly what, what God has. I believe God wants all of us to walk in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. As we look at the scriptures, we understand that the scriptures are relevant for every age, right? Uh, Sister Miracle and I were talking this morning as we were at the table uh, having breakfast that the, the mindset of the people in Esther's day, we were, we were talking about how thousands of years ago, uh, the mindset, and if we really look at it, people haven't changed that much. Uh, we still have, have the, the same mindset. We look at the Word of God, and so many people think that the Word of God may be antiquated, that it's old, that it's not relevant for modern thinking and, and educated people and, and things like that. But we realize that these Scriptures are forever settled, right? The Scriptures is timeless, it will make you wise unto salvation. And if we get a great understanding, many people do what they do because of knowledge. The lack of knowledge or the knowledge of. So if we, he said, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. The more we know about God, the greater we're going to be, right? So Solomon said, give me wisdom. And God granted him a supernatural wisdom that surpassed book knowledge or knowledge of the average man. We need revelation today. We need knowledge. We need understanding. And if we look into scripture, we realize that God wants to impart knowledge, revelation, understanding. Sometimes we wonder, why do you act like you act? And most of the time it's based on knowledge. Uh, We do what we do because of what we understand, what we have a revelation of, what we have a knowledge of. So it should be everyone's responsibility and desire to continually press forward, push forward, run as fast as we can in our relationship with God to get closer to him, that we would grow. And if you read through the scriptures, we realize where the Apostle Paul was encouraging and admonishing people to continually grow in their, in their walk with God. Stand with me for the reading of the word this morning. Let's get into this message Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 probably familiar to the to to most people this morning but the writer in Hebrews 12:14 gives us a statement here and advice and directions and a command. He said follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Pray with me, Father, we do love you tonight this morning we thank you for the privilege of being in your house god it is such an honor to feel your anointing to feel your grace to know that you're calling us out of darkness into a marvelous light god help us as we grow in grace and truth help us this morning lord god as we grow in knowledge and wisdom i am asking in jesus name that you grant us a word from your throne lord god that would increase our revelation increase our knowledge and wisdom that we might serve you more perfectly daily. I pray your blessings on this message. Grant me a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, the discerning of spirit, and help me to minister effectively, God, to these people today. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Some things are simply based on an individual's perspective, how they perceive it and their knowledge of it. Sister Miracle showed me a post that Pastor Jonathan Lovelace posted and if you know Brother Lovelace you realize that he's into he'll buy a car and tinker with it and clean it up and repair it if it has minor damage and he'll resell it and that's kind of a little bump in the income I guess that he has and to my knowledge he's very good at it. He actually pastors and he coaches and he works for Thomas Walker High School and different things so got a lot going on but he made the statement in his post that he had saw a Toyota truck for sale in Tanner Kentucky is that right Tanner Kentucky I'm not I've grown up in Kentucky I'm not sure where Tanner is but he said before he goes and looks at the vehicle he tries to ask the important questions he said how's the body of the truck any hell damage perfect is there rust on the body or the frame perfect actual miles actual miles is the title a clean title has it got has it ever been wrecked perfect all the things that he would ask this lady she was it was an elderly lady actual miles are very low for the model of the truck everything's perfect everything he would ask perfect he said where's Tanner Kentucky she said close to Pineville he said well I know where Pineville is she said we get up late when you get to Pineville call me we'll walk you through he said okay so he said him and Sister Love Lace got out and ventured through Kentucky and got to Pineville and talked to the lady and she said come on up and he said, by the time he realized where she's at, she's an, in Manchester, near Manchester, Kentucky, which is uh, a long way from Pineville. Said he got there and he looked at it and he showed some pictures and the railing on the on the truck, the frame, the shackles that hold the springs together, all this is is, is corroded with rust and. Cigarette burns in the seat and all kinds of things. And he thought, well, if we can negotiate, I can live with this and maybe do some minor repairs. And he said, as he went to get the money, he thought, I I need to call a friend and have them to run a Carfax for me. He said he called his friend. They ran the Carfax, came back. He said, salvage title, been totaled. What's your opinion of this truck? perfect what's your opinion of this truck a total right some things are about perspective now some things are just out and out lies some things are about perspective it's about knowledge right it's about an understanding so when we look into Scripture we understand two people can have a view of something and one be wrong, both be wrong. One be wrong, one be right. But when we look at the Word of God, we understand the Word of God's perfect. My perspective, my, my perception of it, my understanding of it, my revelation of it might be off a little bit. But what I've come to realize in the Word of God is the Word of God trumps everything. Papaw's tradition, it, it trumps All denomination, church affiliation, organizational affiliation, it trumps all of that. The Word of God is perfect. It's forever settled in heaven. It's an absolute, infallible. We look in here, and this is such a a statement that the writer in Hebrews 12, 14 made. He said, follow peace with all men and holiness. And we could live with that. But here's what I want us to understand the importance of this. He said, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now that that carries a lot of weight. That should be a topic. That should be a subject. Peace and holiness should be something that we consider. It should be something we teach. He said, follow this. Without it, you cannot see God. With it, you will live with God forever, right? So... This scripture suggests a question which demands the attention of all professing Christians. This is something, a topic, a subject that we need to consider every day and think about this every day. I'm asking you this morning in your your perception of yourself, in your opinion of yourself, are you holy? Your view. Based on scripture, not comparing ourselves among ourselves, I'm asking the question Are you holy? Will you see God? That question can never be out of season. You know, the wise man. Solomon in Ecclesiastes tells us there is a time to weep, time to laugh, time to keep silent, time to speak. But if you read through all that in chapter 3, you will realize there is no time, not a day, not a moment, not an hour, not a second, for us not to be holy. There's a time for all things that we do, but there's never a time for us not to be holy. Holy. So I'm asking the question this morning, are you holy? Because if not, according to Hebrews twelve fourteen, without which no man shall see the Lord. So that question concerns and applies to all rank and file of men. And when I say men, not gender, a people. That question concerns all ranks and conditions of people. Some people are rich, some are poor. Some are learned, some are unlearned. But when we look at this statement, it it applies to all people of life. There is not a rank, there is not a condition, there is not a people, there is not a person that this scripture that we open with from 1214 in the book of Hebrews that it does not apply to. So, as we get in here, what is holiness? As we look at this, its nature, its hindrances, its difficulties, its roots, I'm not going to get through with this message this morning in its entirety, but I, I want to I just fill after the anointing of the Holy Ghost this morning and, and find the mind of God and the will of God for our service this day. We're looking at a scripture that tags on heaven or hell in it you all with me if it says without which no man shall see the God see the Lord then that's a heaven or hell issue in my book that's my opinion right if he said you must be born again of water and a spirit or you shall not enter in or see in that to me that seems to be a heaven or hell issue we need to make great concerns in our educating ourselves studying Praying, seeking God, and saying, God, I need a revelation. What is this? How do I obtain it? How do I live it? How do I, how do I make it my life? As we look in here, asking the question, are you holy? How is the relationship between my soul, your soul, and God? How are you doing this morning in living holy for God? That's a question I'm asking. Only you can answer that. Only you can say, yes, if God comes back this morning, he's going to find me following peace and holiness, and he's going to say, well done. I'm wanting this morning to focus a little bit on the motivating factor. What's motivating us to do what we're doing? What's motivating us to be what we are, where we are, and how we live? We realize this world we're living in is, man, it's just so fast-paced, right? So hustle, bustle, everything's going at such a breakneck speed. This morning, I could probably have found a topic that's a little easier to teach on, a little softer. But this morning, as we look in here, I don't know if I could find a more timely message or topic than to live holy before the presence of God. Amen? Walk through your local store. Go into your place of business. Watch the news. And we realize that this follow peace with all men and holiness, you'll realize, is a thing that seems to be so far from the thinking of modern day. But it's still a command of God that if we're going to see God, then we are without an excuse. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Because we understand that God is very clear in the fact that he's holy and he commands his followers to be holy. So how are you doing this morning in your relationship with God? That's a question. How are you doing in your relationship with God? He is holy, so he commands us, be ye holy. Just bear with me for a few moments on this. This is not a negative message by any stretch of the imagination and I'm not insinuating anything or making this negative I'm asking the question because only you can answer the question only I can answer the question for me how am I doing in my relationship with God when I'm talking about peace how am I doing with my relationship with people when I'm talking about holiness how am I doing in my relationship with God how am I doing in my prayer time how am I doing right now how well am I doing in repenting when I need something out of my life and I realize I'm not where I need to be in my walk with God, or how am I doing in approaching God and saying, God, forgive me? Because the scripture is very clear if I confess my sins, He's faithful to forgive me. Amen? Ain't that a good thing that His mercy is new every morning? His grace is in abundance. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. He's making all provisions for me to make heaven my home, but His command is still for me to be holy. He's making all provisions for me to make it where I need to be. It's like such a great teacher that realizes on the first day of school, all these students are going to need my help. When they walk into a class, their objective is to bring them to a new level. From the first day of school to the last day of school, there's going to be a series of testing to make sure they're growing, that they're learning and being taught on a perfect scale their age level, right? Am I I making sense this morning? So the objective of the teacher is to be there to assist them Help them teach them to get them where they need to be so when they walk into that next year of school into a new grade that they're going to be prepared and well ready for that can I tell you today this is a testing ground this is a proving time this is a teaching time this is a time for God to come along and say you cannot get there without me without me you can do nothing but he's here to help us teach us aid us and perfect us by His Holy Ghost Spirit, by His holy anointing upon our life to get us where we need to be so that whenever we meet Him, He'll say, well done, and we're able to walk into our new home. So if we look at it and we say, what is holiness? We'd say, what is not holiness? Did you know holiness is not knowledge? Solomon was the wisest man that lived, right? He had a supernatural knowledge, but he also had so many wives and concubines that he ended up serving and worshiping and offering sacrifice to false gods. So because someone has knowledge, does not necessarily make them holy. Do you know holiness is not about a great profession, A faith or a position. You know a pastor could be a pastor and profess to be a Christian but that doesn't make him holy as well as a saint. Did you know Judas Iscariot had a position? He was one of the apostles. He had a position and he had a profession. He was one of the apostles but he wasn't holy. In fact at the end the Bible says that Satan entered into his heart, into his life. And he took his own life. We understand that being zealous or having many things to do and busy, being very busy in a church or in a religion is not holiness. The Pharisees, they were very busy. They were very zealous about religion, but they weren't holy. Having good morals and, and outward re, Respectability of men is not necessarily holiness because we look through the scriptures and we understand many people have lived that. We look at the young ruler and probably respected by very many people. He was a ruler, very rich man, and probably many people looked up to him and he, and he, was, he said, I've kept these commands, but he wasn't holy. He wasn't where he needed to be. just giving you a few thoughts of what people sometimes mistaken holiness for. Being in church, listening to the preach word, even keeping company with godly people. That doesn't make us holy. These things alone are not holiness. They may very well be a part and they may very well aid us and help us. But a man may have all of these or one of these and still not be Holy. And never see the Lord. That's the kicker on this whole thing. Whenever he said, if he had just said, follow peace with all men and holiness, we could live with that. But whenever he said, without which no man shall see the Lord, then we got to, it demands our attention. It demands us taking thought. Just stay with me for a few moments. I want to I try to relay to you what I feel the Lord's laid on my heart this morning. Here's a statement that I read from, from, a, from an individual. He said, holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. According as how we find his mind discerned in scripture, it is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. He who most entirely agrees with God, he is the most holy man. So the more I know about God and the more of the scripture that I can apply to my life and say, God, let me measure up to your scripture more and more every day, the more holy we're going to get or the closer we're going to get and we're going to get more of him which makes us more holy. We cannot be holy without God. Can we just get an agreement with that? There is no way our human ability has, can get us where we need to be. We've got to have a relationship with God be holy we've got to have a supernatural move from God to be holy a holy person will endeavor to shun all appearance of evil every known sin and to keep every known commandment we are willing and striving for excellence in everything that we do in our relationship with God here's what the the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. He said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Romans 7, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The Solomon wrote it this way in 119 verse 127 and 128. He said, Therefore I love the commandments above gold. Asking you this morning. How are you doing in the word of God? How are you doing in seeking God in worship? How are you doing in your prayer time? How are you doing in your repenting time? The Bible says a righteous man will fall, right? So we make mistakes and we come short and we realize our mistakes and we realize how off track we are and we are quick to repent he said the righteous man will fall but he will get back up getting back up in repentance getting back up and making things right how are you doing in your walk with God and repenting are you quick to feel that sting of sin and say God forgive me God cleanse me God help me and having a willingness based on scripture to say I'm going to go forward How are you doing in the commands of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? How are you doing? Amen? Based on your revelation, understanding, and knowledge of God, how are we doing in being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away all the sin in our life? How are we doing on pursuing and receiving and being filled with the Holy Ghost not just one time but how are we doing in a refreshing and renewing of the Holy Ghost evidence with speaking in other tongues how are we doing in our relationship with God is it moving us forward is it moving us closer to him to get a greater revelation to get a greater understanding that we're resembling him more than we resemble the world that we're coming closer to his command to say God this stings right now. God, this command right here, it hurts right now, but help me in my situation because I cannot attain this. I cannot achieve this. I cannot live up to this without your help. And as I said a moment ago, as they walk into that classroom on day one, they're not going to get it. They've got to have a good teacher that's going to come alongside them and say, I want to help you. And in their mind, it's melting. In their mind, they're, they're wanting to scream and cry and run out of class and say, I, I don't want to go back. But with the good teacher, that teacher's going to help them. And when they get to where they can understand it and understand the concept and understand the reason and understand the whys and understand how this adds up to this and this adds up to that and this plus this and plus this and plus this, all equals this, when they get a concept of it and get a revelation of it, all of a sudden it's there's a beauty in it. That's what God's wanting to do for you and I today. Because there's some scriptures that we read across and we say we'll never get it. We'll never obtain it. We'll never live up to it. But he's saying let me me show you this scripture over here and you add this one to this one and this one to this one and this one to over here to this one and all of a sudden there's a beauty and holiness. All of a sudden we understand why he commands us. All of a sudden we understand why Isaiah said woe is me when he got a glimpse into the throne room when he got a glimpse at what's going on and how the people would bow down when when the presence of God would come how they worship how David instituted 24 hours of worship and praise never let there be a silence if there's praise in heaven if there's worship in heaven if the angels are crying holy, holy, holy Lord God why would there not be presence of people today crying holy, holy, holy and David, a man after God's own heart said I'm going to institute 24 hour, 7 day a week worship and it became beautiful David said, I'm not going to live in a house and my God live in a tent. I'm going to build him a temple. And God said, David, you're disqualified. Right? And that's where David could have very easily got, got an attitude and said, forget it. He said, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, so we're going to build on my house got all these riches, all this money, I'm just going to build onto my house. But what he did, he said, I'm going to prepare with all my might. I'm going to prepare with everything within me because the the need for the house to be built is still there. So I'm going to prepare for my son and he's going to build the house. Just trying to give us an understanding. Notice the Solomon said, therefore I love thy commandments above gold. How are you doing in tithing? Do you love his commands better than gold? Yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. When I add it all up from Revelation to Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation, when I add all these things together, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things, they're right. And I hate every false way. So a holy person will strive to be like our Lord Jesus Christ, right? He will not only live the life of faith in him and draw from him all his daily peace and strength, but he will also labor to have the mind that was in Christ to be conformed in his image. How are we doing this morning? I was in a service not too long ago, and the, the, the evangelist for the morning or for the evening, he, he asked the congregation, he said, How y'all doing? You are you okay? He said, if you could only see your face. So how are we doing this morning? Romans chapter 8, verse 29 said, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Brethren, I'm asking you this morning, are we allowing the word of God to remold us in the image of Christ? Is my attitude that I used to have 38 years ago, still my attitude today, my quick temper, my my selfishness, and all the things that I was dealing with 38 years ago, have I grown in my relationship with God? Have I matured in my relationship with God through the word of God being, being in my life and transforming me or, and conforming me into the image of God? Are we allowing the word to change every fiber of our being? Are we allowing the word to affect our life to where we're saying, I'm wrong, he's right, I need to change. You all with me? Where do we run to when we need information? Bad question in this this generation. I don't know how many times Google gets tired of me asking questions, but I ask a lot. But beyond Google, are we going to the Word of God when we need real advice? You know, Google's a wealth of information concerning the Word of God, too, don't you? I've had people call me, Pastor, where's the Scripture? I said, hmm, hey, Google. Oh, it's in Psalms 147. Man, you are so wise. You got it. Heard someone preach the other day. They said that Orpah, Orpha was the mother of Goliath and I thought hmm I need to research that for myself I don't take things at face value all the time so I, I just need to look I said hey Google who was the mother of Goliath according to historians Orpah was the mother of Goliath I thought okay out of two mouths let everything be established We look in here and we realize that God's saying, you can't do this on your own. Have we come to that conclusion yet? Amen. Have have we come to this conclusion yet? Because if we compare ourselves among ourselves, what what does the Bible say? We're unwise. We're unwise. We've got people in here that sometimes we just want to sit down beside of and just let that anointing fall off of them onto us, I guess. And we think, how could I ever get to where they are? How can I get to. We've got people in here that were that have been serving the Lord for, for so many years. And we think, how am I ever going to get to the. Did you know you can't do it by yourself? Here's the beauty of this. God's do... God does not expect you to do it. You say, Pastor, this, this holy, this holy, this word holy almost has become a four-letter word. Right? How, how are we ever going to acquire it? How are we ever going to live up to it? We can't without the help of God. And that's the beauty. He doesn't expect us to. He wants to help us. He wants to teach us. Do you know the Holy Ghost, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. So it gives us understanding and wisdom and knowledge. He said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. My question is, if we're allowing the Holy Ghost to change our life, and we're allowing the Holy Ghost to to change every fiber of our being, let let me ask you this. If if God is transforming, how am I doing on loving people? How am I doing with the business of loving people? How are you doing? in your love for people. He's transforming us how are you doing in forgiving people? Amen. Cuz this all it's all all together. All this is together. How are you doing in loving people and how you how are you doing in forgiving people? It's all together. It's all together. Are we loving? Are we long suffering? Are we forgiving others, even as Christ, according to Scripture, even as Christ forgave us? Are we unselfish, even as Christ pleased not himself to walk in love? Even as Christ loved us, are we unselfish? Are we loving people? Are we humble in our walk, even as Christ made himself of no reputation and humbly took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus, if you read through scriptures, you realize he would continually deny himself in order to minister to others. How am I doing in loving people? Is this okay on a Sunday morning? How am I doing in serving others, ministering to others, preferring my brother? How am I doing in taking care of needs of others? How am I doing in ministering and blessing others? and denying myself if we read through scriptures some of the descriptions we have of Jesus is that he was meek he was patient to the people that were undeserving of his patience and love and kindness and long-suffering he thought more of godly poor people than he did of kings seemingly we have that backwards sometimes not me and you maybe but so often He was full of love, he was full of compassion to sinners. He was quick to denounce sin, but not the sinner, right? The lady came to him and he said, where are your accusers? She was caught in the very act of sin. According to the Mosaic law, she was to be stoned to the death. He said, where's your accusers? She said, I have none. He said, neither do I accuse you. Then he said, go sin no more. Because something worse than the stoning of her to death was about to take place at the judgment seat of Christ, right? Because one day he will judge. One day he will accuse. One day he will use the word of God to say, Depart from me, thou worker of iniquity. I don't know you. And we all those that have not asked God and helped and walked in the scripture according to the plan of God will hear him say, Depart from me. But you and I praise be unto God. We're sitting under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost this morning that's reaching into our heart and say, why don't we do something about our conditions while grace is available, while grace is made available to us, that God is going to forgive us of our sin because if we confess he's faithful, there's there's water to be baptized, there's a spirit to be filled with. All this is made available to us today. Walk in peace. Follow peace and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. How are we doing in our relationship with God? How are we doing in a separated life from worldly people? How are we doing in our prayer time? How are we doing in our relationship with Christ? These things a holy person needs to be reminded of that we need to keep it fervent in our life. 1 John 2, verse 6. 1 John 2, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. I want you to notice what the Apostle Peter said. Chapter 2, verse 20 through 25. He said, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? In other words, what if, there's there's no glory. And if, if you've done something wrong and you get in trouble over it and you take it patiently, there's no glory in that because you deserve what you got. Here's the kicker. He said, but if when you do well and suffer for it. Now we're getting into that nature of Christ because when he said at the judgment seat he had done nothing wrong, Sister Mays. They were they were accusing him falsely, but he opened not his mouth. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here unto where you... Were you called? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. I'm talking about peace, I'm talking about holiness. All this is wrapped up. We can talk about outward appearance, we can talk about that too, but I'm talking about the heartbeat of our relationship with God today because it's all together it's all in a unit package we're going to live holy before the presence of God right we're going to live before him and hear him say well done thou good and faithful servant but we got to work on this condition of our heart this morning to say God help me take on your nature because that's not my nature I'm going to retaliate I'm going to rebuttal I'm going to do something that's going to convince the person I'm innocent who did no sin, neither was guile or guilt found in his mouth. No guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to the, him that judgeth righteously. Verse 24. Who his own self bear, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. Verse 25, for you, or for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd, bishop of your soul. Could we agree today that everything God did and is doing is about love? Could we agree to that? Everything God did for me and is doing today, every time I think about the cross, did you know that when, when Christ was beaten, he was whipped, he was crowned with thorns, all these things took place. They beat him, some say beyond recognition, just battered his body, so tired, so worn, when he picked the cross up to carry it, that was the mandate, you've got to carry your own cross. He was carrying the cross and he fell under the pressure, under the weight, could not carry it. He was, his, physically, humanly, he was so weak he could not carry the cross And someone had to come along and aid him in carrying the cross. Remember that story? Could we could we take into consideration this morning everything he did was motivated by love? You see, he could look down to nineteen eighty two years or nineteen eighty two and see me living in sin. On my way to a devil's hell. As the one singer said, I'm on the highway to hell. That's where I was at. I was on the highway to hell. And he hung on a cross and he said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get that young man. I'm going to cleanse him. I'm going to create in him something that he can't create in himself. I'm going to do something that he can't do for himself. And it was all motivated by love. Same way with you. He saw you while you were yet a sinner and he loved you. Is that what scripture says? He loved us while we were yet sinners. But yet we sit in the sanctuary this morning, cleansed, washed, sanctified, justified, waiting for the day we hear him say, well done. Motivated by love. All of it was motivated by love. He loves me. All the time since 1983 and 84 when I fall and I come short and I fail God and miserably fail God, He's waiting for me to say, God, forgive me, so he can forgive me. Pick me back up and help me through my day. We look and we find where Peter said, he's the shepherd and bishop of your soul. What motivates you today to be in church? Why are you sitting in an apostolic church this morning? What motivates you today to be in church? What motivates you to be consistent in your relationship with God? Can I ask you that this morning? Only you can answer it. And I'm not asking for a verbal response. What motivates you this morning to be separated from the world? What motivates you today to listen to the word of God and apply it to your life in a practical application? What is it that you're... You are sitting in church this morning. Why? You're here this morning to worship and praise and honor and glorify God and you're doing that and you've done that and I applaud you and I commend you. Thank you. Why are we doing it? Why did I get up early this morning trying to find the mind of God and 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 trying to listen to him and hear exactly what he wanted to say this morning when I didn't feel the other message that I was going to preach felt I didn't feel that that was the direction of God. So I'm Early, early, early morning trying to figure out what is the mind of God? What do I need to say? What are you wanting to say? How, why do we do that? Why do these praise team and worship team leaders come over here and they prepare themselves for a Sunday night service at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? They're getting ready and while we're still, you, you may be still sleeping and waiting on evening dinner or something before church and, and they're over here hustling and, and all these things that go on in, in the work of a church to make it work. Why do you do that? I come in here and the church is clean. I come in here and the grass is mowed. I come in here and all these things are taking place and praise and worship and people praying. And Why do you do that? Why? What are you doing? Have you asked yourself lately? I believe we could get into a routine. Have you ever been around a person, they wake up on a Monday morning and they say, I hate this job. But they go to work. I've been really, really, really blessed in my life. I don't know of any jobs that I said I hate. Some jobs I was glad I'm away from. Not hate. Have you have you, have you you been around the person, I hate this job, but they go do the job. And the next Monday they go do the job. Why? Why do you do that? What motivates you? Here, here's what I'm thinking. Brother Mays, I don't want to get into a relationship with God, and I do it every Sunday morning, but I hate it. Why are you doing it? It's a routine. That's what I've done for 37 years I've done it. I don't want to come in and clap my hands because that's what I've done last Sunday. Amen? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it motivated by love? Are you afraid of the pastor? Are you afraid of the scripture? Are you afraid of God? What motivates you? What motivates you? Let me go on. We're 15 minutes, almost 15 minutes after 11. Here's what I want us to understand. What we're doing is not about rules and regulations. What we're doing is about love. Amen? Why do you do what you're doing? Because it's a rule. I read it right here. Here's the pamphlet. It says it right here. I've got to do it. No, no, no. We can't can't live by that. We can't live by that. The military might demand some things and make them live by that jobs certain things on a job you'll get written up and you'll get fired over if you do it but that's not the reason we do what we do right what we do and why we do it is because we love God the way I got reason I got up this morning came over here brushed my teeth combed my hair I love God I love God could you pat yourself on the back because I know that's the reason you're here too that's the reason you're here you love God nobody made you come here this morning you could pat yourself on the back. I'll pat you on the back today and say thank you. You love God. That's the reason these praise team, worship team leaders do what they do. They love God. Good job. Good job. Notice this in Exodus chapter twenty-one. I'm going to try to finish this message sometime. In Exodus chapter twenty-one, it gives us a, gives us a, a beautiful story of our life, of how we how we. If we can read between the lines, we'll see Adam here. We'll see Satan here. We'll see being sold into slavery here. Notice in Exodus 21, verse 2, If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Did you all get that part? If you buy a Hebrew servant... He will serve you six years. On the seventh year, you've got to release him. You've got to let him go. He owes you nothing. He was indebted to you. Now he owes you nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. So if you buy... A Hebrew servant that's married, you get both. But when you release the one, you release both. This is the command of God in the Mosaic law. Verse 4, if his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Now it's getting weighty. Now you've got to consider the circumstance. If he's got a wife that has been given to him after that or during that six year period and she has children, they still belong to the master. He can leave if he chooses, but they can't. If the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judge. judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. So he's a free servant, but he is chosen because of love. I love my master, I'll serve him for free. He doesn't make me stay in here, but I love him. I wonder how many people in here this morning has a hole bored in your ear by God. Because you're free to go. Amen, you're free to go. He asked the disciples as, as he had it, all the church left him. He looks at these disciples, his, his inner core. He said, you leaving too? They said, you have the words of life. Where we, where are we going to go? You, you've got what we need. Where are we going to go? So I'm asking you this morning, I know you're in here because you love God. Nobody made you come. But think about this, this concept. Think about this for just a moment. What we're doing this morning, is it because of love? Somebody came in this morning and changed all the, all the teaching of the Word of God and said, all this is not null and void. You don't really have to repent. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do Would you still do what you're doing? Amen? Would you? You're free to do whatever you want to do. The commands are no longer a command. You can make heaven any way you want to make heaven. Would you still be the person you are? If God said it's not a heaven or hell issue, it's just an issue. It's, it will please me, but it's not heaven or hell. Would you still, would you still want to please God? Just, just stay with me for a moment. So in biblical customs, how to do business is God's people. How to do business according to will of God. God understood people then, he understands people now. So he gave guidelines in the word. He gave guidelines to Moses and he gives guidelines throughout the Bible. He gave restrictions and he gave open boundaries and confined boundaries. So when we look into scripture as a county has their rules and a state has their rules and a nation governs the people with laws, so does God. If we are the people of God, Paul called us ambassadors. How much more should we put restrictions on our life, knowing that we are the people of God? The Bible says we're a holy nation, a peculiar people, right, that we should show forth the praises. So when we look in here this morning, what motivates you today to be who you are? We look into the Old Testament we realize there's many ways for them to become a slave or a servant. But if you will notice something, it mainly and primarily focused on the poor. Y'all realize that? Let me give you a couple examples. Extreme poverty. In Leviticus 25, 39, it says, If thy brother be waxen poor and be sold unto thee. A father could sell his children. Exodus 21.7 If you're in great debt and can't pay it, my husband is dead. The creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. 2 Kings 4.1 If you stole and couldn't pay the debt back, if ye have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Exodus 22 If you're taken prisoner of war, A Hebrew slave or servant who had been ransomed from a Gentile. Different ways to become a a servant. So I want us to weigh in the balance. I'm going to hurry on and I'm going to finish up. I want us to weigh in the balance. Trying to carry all the things that we're trying to carry, a heavy debt, a heavy load. Focused on the poor primarily is the way they became a servant. A servant. If we look into scripture, we realize that that's what Satan has done. He purchased us. He bought us. If you will, because the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And when Adam sinned, he turned his every right over to Satan, and Satan owns us. 37 years ago, approximately 37 years ago, I was broke, completely broke. I owed an absolute debt I could not pay. I couldn't file bankruptcy and get out of it. I couldn't go to a bank or financial institution and borrow to pay this debt because the debt wasn't to a bank, the debt wasn't to a person. The debt was to God. I'd wronged him. I'd sinned. The Word of God condemned me. The Word of God said you're on your way to punishment you're a slave to satan you're a slave to the world you'll never pay this debt but here's the beauty of it jesus christ said i'm going to pay that debt for you he asked the question to a group of people he said this one owed a certain amount and this one owed a much greater debt he said who do you think would appreciate who do you think would love the most they said the one that had been forgiven the most so i'm asking you this morning how much has god forgiven you how much has god paid for you to be in the sanctuary this morning sanctified cleansed washed in his blood how much has he given for you Whenever he was ransomed, you you know, whenever they said, Whom shall I release, Barabbas or Jesus? They said, Barabbas. Did you know that Jesus wouldn't have had it any other way? Barabbas was a hardened criminal. He deserved everything he was getting. But Jesus, he was innocent. But he would have not had it any other way. He said, No, I'm going to take his place. That's what he did on the cross for me. Saint of God, nobody made me come in here this morning. Nobody makes me get up on a, on a Monday morning and do anything. I'm a grown man. I can choose what direction I want to go. I want to be pleasing to God, and you do too. I don't want to say give me the bare minimum. Give me the bare minimum, God, of what, it has, what I have to do to, in order to, to make heaven. Just tell me exactly, God, what I, what I can't do, or I'll go to hell because that's what I'm going to stay away from, but just give me the bare minimum on serving you. I don't think there's a person in here that wants the bare minimum. I, I think every person in here wants to say, hear him say, well done. You didn't just do good. Some people say, well, if I can just get in by the skin of my teeth. No, no, no. We're wanting crowns. Not just a crown of, that we've overcome, but we're wanting all these crowns that's laid up. I don't want to stand beside the guy that he's saying, here, help me hold some of my crowns because you only got one. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the one that has excelled. I want to be the one that's pushing forward toward that prize, that high calling of God, forgetting everything that's in my yesterdays and moving forward in my relationship with God. I believe we are a people sitting in this sanctuary this morning that wants to live holy before the presence of God, that wants to do our very best to please our Savior, our God, that we could identify with the one in Exodus, the one that said, I don't want to leave my master. I want to serve him as a free servant forever, because now I'm in bonds of love. I'm only here because I love him. I'm free to go. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. So this morning when you get up and you, you got up and you, you came, in, came into the house of God, what motivated you? Here's what the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23. He said, you are bought with a price. Be not ye the servant of men. I became his property, Brother Rimmel. I lost my freedom. Is that all right? I lost my freedom. I have to live by his guidelines. You see, the, the servant that walks, that would was able to walk away, but he said, I'm going to serve you because of love, He still lit, had to live by house rules. And the writer in Hebrew, or in First Corinthians, said you're bought with a price. Stand with me this morning. That seventh year was a year of celebration. It was a year of jubilee. It was a year to, to say thank you I am now free. Let me ask you the question this morning. I've asked you a lot of questions this morning. I've tried to keep it in front of you. When the load is lifted, the life is in order. My wife's in here. My daughters are in here. Why am I here? Is it because of my circle of friends that are here? Is it a habit? Is it a routine? Is this the only ties I have to God as just a Sunday morning service? Am I here this morning simply because it's motivated by love? I want to serve Him. I want to know Him. I want to love him more perfectly every day I want to align myself perfectly with the commands the restrictions the celebrations whatever it might be the freedoms I want to align myself with all of it in Luke chapter 15 verse 11 through 14 and he said a certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that fo- falleth to me He divided unto them his living. I want you to take notice here because it says them. So it wasn't just the one that got his inheritance and out the door he goes and the others waiting. He divided unto them his living and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country there wasted his substance with righteous righteous living and when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want both had the opportunity to leave but one chose to stay with his father what's motivating you today be apostolic what's motivating you this morning to be at spirit and truth worship center what's going to motivate you this afternoon to be where you're going to be what motivates you tomorrow to live the way you live what motivates you on Wednesdays it's a question you have to answer it for yourself what motivated Jesus to go to a cross for me was his love what motivated Jesus to take a crown of thorns for me was his love. What motivated him to take the whips on his body was love. What motivated him to robe himself in flesh and give his blood that I might have life and have it with an abundance. It was all about love. Then said Jesus to the twelve, will you also go away? This morning I'm pleading with you in the name of Jesus last year we had people that weighed everything in the balance and some of them decided to exit the scene I talked with them time to time with text message or whatever and I'm busy and I plan to come back but what about you? what about me? what's this year hold for me? sister West said first Easter service she'd missed 30 years, maybe? Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. And she'd have been here for that one had it not been for a situation that was out of her control with sickness. But what motivates you to be here? What motivates you to be who you are? If it's anything other than love, I'm pleading with you this morning in Jesus' name. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. That you do everything you do because you love him. Amen. That you are doing everything in your power to grow in your relationship with God because you love him. Because that's the reason he takes care of this old boy. You, if you know me you realize you got to love me if you're going to put up with me and that's what God does he loves me he loves you why don't you come this morning and let's let's give some of that love back to him let's be thankful that he's given us this opportunity he said follow peace with all men and holiness or you'll not see the Lord But he's asked us to do something we can't do on our own because we can't be holy without him. So it demands our attention. It demands us to come to him and ask for help. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, all things are possible. Come on, let's pray this morning, Saint of God. I I hope by the good grace of God that he's speaking to your heart as he spoke to mine this morning. I've got to do what I'm doing because I love him. Not because of a rule, regulation. Not because of somebody else. Not because of my spouse. Not because of my children. I'm just simply doing it because I love God. I'm doing it because he loved me first. God, will you help us love you properly this morning? In Jesus' name, will you give us the strength we need to walk in your anointing and power and authority? Will you give us everything we need, God, that we love you properly? That we are motivated by love. And that's the determining factor of what we're doing and why we're doing it. We love you this morning. Get a hold of our hearts this morning. God, help us to be quick to repent. God, help us to be quick to love and forgive. God, help us to be able to honor you in every day of our life. Every day's walk, help us as an ambassador. Represent the King of all kings, God, holy before the people. Let's pray this morning, saying as our musicians lead us. Let's ask God's help this morning in doing what he's called us to do, being what he's called us to be in Jesus' name.